this morning to Job chapter 22. Job 22. You know, you know where we're going. Job is west of Psalms. Job 22. I don't know if there's any other scripture in Job that's as good as this. Uh, in chapter 3, verse 25, Job says, the thing I feared most has come upon me. And that's a good lesson right there that uh, was truly recorded, but he didn't tell the truth. Not everything in the Bible is true, even though it's truly recorded. There's people that lie and it's recorded in the Bible, but the, the lie is not true. But here in chapter 22, verse 28, let's read it together. Verse 28, ready to read. Thou shalt also decree a thing and it shall be established unto thee and the light shall shine upon thy ways. Let's read it again. Thou shalt also decree a thing and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon thy ways. Now let's read it one more time together, but first person. I shall also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto me, and the light shall shine upon my ways. Isn't that great? It's a very common theme in the Word of God, that our words are powerful. I want to, I want to minister to you this morning on something I haven't touched since 2005, and you'll recognize it. I'm going to call it what I did then. The last word standing is doing the commanding. And I'm real quick into myself for me personally that I need to sharpen up on my confession in my words. And so basically I'm going to talk to me and y'all can just listen in. If it, if it works for you, great. Uh, sharpen up on my words because words, what we say are so, so powerful. Uh, more powerful than almost anything that we can do. They are a form of seed time and harvest, and that is the kingdom of God. That is the kingdom of God. Seed time and harvest is the kingdom of God. And our words are seed sowing. The Amplified says, you shall also decide and decree a thing. So, Decision is the place of power. When we decide to, to do anything, power follows to fulfill whatever we decide. And when we don't decide, then we have decided. We've decided not to decide. And therefore, the default means that you won't have anything. In Romans chapter 4, let's slip over to Romans chapter 4, verse 17. This is one of all of our favorite verses. We're talking about the last word standing is doing the commanding. So the last thing that you said about any subject or any situation, any circumstance, the last thing you said with conviction is how it's going. Things are forming in the background just like a baby uh, uh, has a nine-month gestation period of forming from when the seed is planted till the actual harvest of that baby our words are the very same way. We plant them and they are gestating, they are incubating until they come to pass. So the last thing you said about your money is what's working. The last thing you said about your future, about your children, about your church, about everything. The last thing that you said is the last thing that's standing. It's, uh, it's like a switch that's on something. Go or come, left or right, up or down. However you left the switch is how it's going. Now, since it doesn't impact our life immediately, just like planting a seed doesn't impact the harvest immediately, sometimes we don't know that or don't 
Remember that. So it's, it's powerful that even though we've sown wrong seed or seed in wrong times, we can fix it by making the last word that's standing, doing the commanding. So it says in chapter four, this is about Abraham. We'll go to verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So he's talking there about uh, seed. And then in verse 17, it says, as it is written. And so you can look in Genesis 17, where it is written. As it is written, the Lord said, I have made thee a father of many nations. So he planted a seed. I have made thee a father of many nations. And then it explains that before him who he believed, even God, and then gives two attributes, who quickeneth the dead, resurrection, and what else does God do? Calleth the, those things which be not as though they were. So here we see that faith is the system is seed time and harvest and God quickens the dead. The word uh, the Lord Jesus uh, said about that, he said that unless a seed die and fall into the ground, it remains. But if it if you sow an old dried up pea or corn kernel or uh, whatever, if it's dead, then you can't eat it. It's, it's, it's no good for food. But if you plant it, the word says it'll resurrect. It'll, it'll rise up. So he calleth those things which be not as though they were. Do we believe that? Is, is, the, is the word of God a, a, a word of detail? Can you just say, I believe in all the gods. I believe that uh, God is good and God's in nature. Uh, I saw a bumper sticker there that said, uh, my church is nature. <laughs> oh, my, is what I said. Uh, so if we believe that, then we would we could we could discern what we really believe. We could back up what we say we believe by what we do, because we're actually only believing what we're doing. It's a mental ascent. It's it's that we agree something is true. But we don't necessarily say it's true for us until we're doers of that word. So suppose you were going to sell your house. What would you do? Well, you'd get your realtor. You'd stick a sign out there for sale by owner and you would tell it around and you would put up pictures here and there saying it's got a nice living room. And it's got uh, indoor plumbing and all that sort of stuff. And you'd sell it and you just try to have a happenstance, coincidental or uh, however you say it, that somebody would come by and say, I need a house like this. Or as people of faith who his yoke is easy and his burden is light, we could say, we could say, we could say to our house, somebody loves you house. Somebody likes the way your windows are framed, the way your roof is made, and your curb appeal is marvelous. Somebody believes you house to be a bargain and a value and they are ready to buy you. You will be a blessing to somebody and I call you sold in Jesus name. Well, that doesn't sound near hard enough. Painful. Doesn't sound like you'd be suffering much going all over town and letting people look at your house while you weren't there and all the things that are involved in that sort of thing. I remember Charles Capps, you know, he, he was the man 
on confession. And he talked about how unfair it was when he went fishing because he would command the fish to get on the hook and get in the boat. And it didn't take him long to go fishing if he was fishing for food. Unless he was throwing them back, he was, he was done in just a little bit. And that was pretty much true uh, of his life. Slip over to Hebrews chapter 11. He calleth things which be not as though they were. He calleth things that be not as though they were. Well, that's our father. Maybe we should do what father does. Maybe we should follow his example. Now, uh, he calleth things that be not as though they were. So that has to do with a visual or a, a tactile experience where if you can't feel it, if you can't see it, if you can't touch it, is it true? Is it real? Is it something that we can receive? It says in chapter 11, we know this is the faith chapter. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Right here it is. The evidence of things not seen. So it's like it's a place marker. It's like something that's holding a place until something else comes along. And it's valid. If you, uh, if you put a security deposit down on a car or a home or anything, it's holding your place. You haven't got everything. You can't move in yet, but it's holding the place that nobody else can move in. It's yours. When you engage uh, a woman to be your wife, then you give her a ring for surety, a guarantee. And if it ain't much ring, she can look for a better offer. <laughs> so he's not serious. And that's what, that, that's what the ring means. Are you serious? Because if, if anything happens here, if you back out, I'm keeping the ring. And that's what they should do. Now, that's how that system works. People don't know how anything works in marriage because we've gotten so way, far away from the covenant. But if anything backs out, the ring is yours and you go sell it. Because it was a surety, it was a guarantee, it was a, a deposit on the real thing. Well, if the real thing doesn't show up, then you don't need the surety. So he said it's the evidence of things not seen. Then we look back where we just were in 417 of Romans and it says calling things that be not as though they were. So... The word says, the word says, you know, it's going to contradict the natural. The word says that there's something that is unseen and unfelt that's as real or more real than some things that are seen and felt. And we have to base our whole Christian experience on that, don't we? But yet, after we get born again, I'm going to heaven and that's why I got born again is because I wanted to go to heaven. I don't care anything about this other stuff. I just want to go to heaven. I wanted to ask Jesus into my heart. That's what most people say so I can go to heaven. Are you going to heaven? Yes. But nothing else matters after that. And so really, most of those people are sitting in churches as they throw the net for another crop, for another fish or another harvest or whatever. And they're just spectators as the pastor throws the net trying to fish in somebody, grab somebody else to get into the kingdom. But we have to study. We have to meditate. We have to give ourselves to the things that we've been endowed with of who, what happened at the new birth. And almost everything that we study or meditate on is what happened at the new birth. What, happen, what happened to me? Because 
we cannot verify it with feelings. If you go to uh, the, the men's store and you go in in blue jeans and a T-shirt and you come out with a tuxedo or a sport coat or whatever, we, we don't have to wonder what happened to you at the men's store. We can see it. We can feel it. We can show the receipt on our credit card and all that sort of stuff. But this stuff about faith or the experience in the spirit realm is unseen. It's unfelt. And yet most Christians believe only in what's seen and felt. And it's, they have a limited life because the kingdom is seed time and harvest. And there is no other kingdom and there's no way around. Just like there's one way into the kingdom and his name is Jesus. There's just one way into the to the new life. And that's seed time and harvest calling things that be not as though they were. So here in verse one, he says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. And so you have to say, what what do we hope for? What is faith holding the place for? What kind of bookmarker? What where in what book or where in what place is the the uh, uh, faith holding the place for something that's called uh, reality or, or called uh, the evidence, excuse me, the evidence of things not seen. It's holding the evidence. It's a guarantee on the on a deposit on the house or a ring on your finger. It's a guarantee of things that aren't yet real. And uh, so what's it what's it holding the place of? Well, the word tells us it's holding the place of a promise. Faith is the bookmark for a promise. You release your faith for a promise in second Peter. It's right there. Second uh, Peter chapter. Let's see. Chapter one. Let's read. Let's read that together. Let's read the first part anyway. Verse three. Ready. Read. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So our faith is the place marker or the guarantee or the surety of the promises. The promise, he says that he's there giving you uh, uh, promises that are exceeding and great, exceeding great and precious. And he said the promises are what makes you a partaker of the divine nature. So faith is holding the promises. So in other words, when you just sign up uh, uh, for the promise, you put down a deposit of your faith. You call things that be not as though they were. And you're not waiting, but you've you've you put them down knowing that it's good for what the promise is being held for. Faith says it belongs to me now. We have a legal system that guarantees that if you put a contract on a house. That it's yours unless you back out, unless you do something weird and uh, shady or shaky, it's yours. And the law backs us up on that so that generally we can't lose that on that. But that's what's right and good. And so uh, verse four says, excuse me, verse five. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. But I want to go back up to four, excuse me. Uh, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Why? That by these 
ye might be partakers of the divine nature. The promises are the divine nature. So our faith, we put it in as a place marker and it holds our place. So the promises are exceeding great and precious. They are the divine nature. And without them, we don't have a life. Slip back to James chapter five, if you would, please. We're just laying a foundation here so that we, all our thinking is going in the right direction when we take on something new. In verse uh, 13, is any among you afflicted going through a test or a trial? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? What would we do if we were in church and we got sick? It's clear. He said, let him call for the elders of the church. Well, what does that do? Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. This is the, this is the antidote to sickness for Christians in the church. And he said, what will happen? What's the mechanics of that? When you turn the key in the car, what actually happens? Well, gasoline is pulled into the cylinders and the spark plug fires it and it pushes the cylinder down on the crankshaft, which turns the transmission, which goes into the rear end that goes into the tires and you go. Well, that's what happens. But all we want to know is, is when I put it in D, will it go? That's all we want to know. Put it in R, will it back up? Well, he said that how it works is the prayer of faith shall save the sick. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. Now, that's the promise. Well, when you get prayer, sometimes I would say occasionally, it might not affect your change right then. You all know what I'm talking about. You might not feel it right then. You should. We should. But in any place, whatever happens, we would say, I, they, the elders anointed me with oil and they prayed the prayer of faith and I am recovered. I am raised up. I am saved. I am delivered. And that's the end of it. Well, why would that be the end of it? Because that's the promise and faith secures the promise and excludes time. We even give the doctor that much. He, we go in and he said, I'm going to give you a steroid shot and it's going to hurt like thunder and you're going to cry and you're not going to lie to me, but my nurse is going to do it and I'll be on the other side of the building, so it won't matter. Y'all had those shots? Hallelujah. But you don't feel any different. Well, you may feel different for a little bit in that left hip, but uh, that's not, you don't say, well, boy, do I feel good. That was a good cure. You have to go home and work it out. Well, that's, time is taken out of the equation. And he said, your faith, your faith will make a place marker for the promise that the prayer of faith will save the sick. So we believe. We believe. We believe in the steroid shot. Or, or whatever he gives you, an antibiotic. We believe in it. I'm convinced that there's a lot of placebos that have been given to a lot of people that had no effect, that had no medicinal value, that I, I think it's illegal to do that, but I think it's been done. But if you believe that it's good, you believe it's going to help you, that's exactly how it'll turn out. And there's all sorts of studies that have been done about placebo. 
where people actually believed what they told. And that's what they had. That's the very thing about people like Smith Wigglesworth that was healed by somebody punching him in the stomach. And so that's what he believed. That's what people that have a, they have a so-called ministry to heal backs. Well, that's because it happened one time. And so they're, they believe if they do this or do that, uh, pray for backs, that the backs will be healed. And so that's how it goes. That's how it should go anyway. But they're adamant. They're, they're absolutely persuaded. If I pray for your back, it'll be better. It'll, it'll change. It'll be, it'll be good. If I pray for you to get the Holy Ghost, you will be baptized in the Spirit. Well, you go, what's that? Is that a special gift? No, it's just somebody believing that that's how it's going to go. Well, that's how it's going to go with you and me. No matter what we're facing, if we believe the promise, that's how it's going to go. And if we're dubious, if we're skeptical and say, I'm not sure, we'll wait and see, then it's not going to go well. You all know what I'm talking about. We all know what we're talking about here. We're waiting and seeing. I'm going to see if the promises worked for me or if he had power when he laid hands on me. It goes just like we think it's going to go. So we call things that be not as though they were. We just say, the elders anointed me with oil. They prayed the prayer of faith. And I am saved. I am delivered. It says, uh, I'm saved. The word saved there is the word sozo. And it's new. Uh, so to pray the prayer of faith. I really like this scripture here where it says, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. I, I think we ought to know who the elders are. I, I think all of y'all. I wouldn't judge it. And I wouldn't judge it. But I would if I had to take a written test before the Lord and said, how many elders you got? I just count up the church members. I'd say they could all pray the prayer of faith. And if you couldn't, you need to fix it. You need to become whatever it takes to be able to pray the prayer of faith, which means you've got to be willing to call things that be not. So if somebody was sick and I couldn't get to them or whatever, I'd just call two or three church members and say, they're calling for the elders of the church. Get over there and pray the prayer of faith. And that's what, that's what makes an elder pray the prayer of faith. Well, what is the prayer of faith? It's when you know how it's going to turn out. You call things that be not as though they were and they are as you called them. It's really pretty simple. It's not wooey-wooey and mysterious and got a vapor in the cloud in front of it. It's really crystal clear. And so you got to go back to the, the premise that if we do things the way the Bible says, we'll have the results the Bible says. But I'm telling you, there are so many uh, uh, adjustments. Well, close enough is close enough. And it's not close enough. If you don't believe that there's uh, uh, more than if you think there's more than one way to get saved, you're never going to get saved. Even if you call on Jesus because you have these other. It's just like that. If we want Bible results, we have to do it the Bible way. So I'm real. I'm really a stickler about that. It's like get the oil out. It's a church member. 
They shouldn't be sick. We shouldn't be sick. Would you all agree with me that we shouldn't be sick? And we're on our way to that. We are all walking that out less and less and, and less severe and all that. We are moving. It's a progression that we're all uh, out of that group. Is any sick among you? But there will always be some that are that are in the church that are starting out or that didn't pay attention or had a bad experience or some measure. We don't judge it. We don't say, well, look at them. What are they doing sick? They're in the church. We just we just load up our little wagon and do what the Bible says. They call, they call, they call. So that's something I do now is I don't call you. I used to call everybody. Well, so-and-so doesn't feel good. Well, I would call them and say, do you want me to come over and pray? Well, if you want to, you could tell right there that they didn't care. They weren't going to believe it wasn't going to do anything. So I quit doing it. And I've been roundly criticized for that. But that's what I do. If you want me or anybody else, you call. And I did. I had a man in the hospital one time and I went in to pray for him. And a dear brother. And I said, uh, and he chit-chatted. He talked about the World Series and about everything, everything. What a beautiful day it was and everything. And I said, hey, brother, I'm here, but I'm not touching you until you call me. And it insulted him. He said, well, that, what did, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are that I have to ask you to pray for me? You're the pastor. I'm the, I, I've got this thing going on. You ought to pray for me without me asking. I said, well, I'm not going to. Now, see, you got to develop some things that might not go over well if you want to get Bible results. You can't. We've, we've just had a whole generation, a whole 2000 years of fudging and compromising and and tweaking and adjusting and and everything. And instead of just doing what the Bible says. But I could pray the prayer of faith. I know how to pray the prayer of faith. And so I just looked at him. He had the TV going on over my head. I was sitting under the TV and he was in the bed and he was looking at TV. Every time I looked down, he looked up and I caught him. So if you don't turn the TV on when I come in, I'm I'm going to go slip out and get a drink of water and never come back. <laughs> this sounds so hard. But I know what I'm capable of. I know what you're capable of. And it says, let him call. It doesn't mean a telephone. It doesn't mean, you know, that you have to whatever. It just means that you say, would you pray for me the prayer of faith? Because I'm under this diagnosis. I'm under this condition. I'm under this treatment. And I, I, I'm, I'm insecure. There is sick among you. And it's me. So I'm asking you, would you pray for me? Well, as soon he said, OK, pastor, would you pray for me? It was just kind of like, do you all know how it went? Can you all kind of tell how it went? It's like, OK, well, I don't know if we got much done that day. But I knew we weren't going to get anything done if I said, well, let me pray for you. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. It's 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 normal. It's religious. It's it's uh, it's our culture. The pastor comes and prays for you and then you turn the TV back on and you just sail on. And the doctor comes in and says, yeah, it's just like it was or it's getting worse. 
And that's not what I'm interested in is some sort of religious exercise where you just go in and do what we always do. I came to do business. It doesn't take long to do business. But I came to do business. And when you, they let me do business, business gets done. But it's not because I'm special. I've just taken on to say I've, I will learn how to pray the prayer of faith. I will develop the promises in my own life and uh, in ministering where when I pray the prayer of faith, it has to be. It has to be. Now, I can't say that it always has, but I don't know what happened. I don't know if they threw it off or if I, I don't know. I'm not, we don't ever blame the person. It's always on the minister, but, but you can do things that, uh, that throw it off of somebody praying the prayer of faith for you. It doesn't mean that you're just like a prophecy that's given to you. The, the word of the Lord comes through somebody and says, Johnny, this is what God says, but that doesn't mean that'll come to pass, does it? You have to, but you have to receive it. You have to connect it. You have to pull it together and say, that's me. The word of the Lord for me will happen. So anyway, I said all that. I don't know why, but we anoint people with oil for a lot of reasons. You can figure them out. And there's other kinds of prayer. If you're meeting somebody on the street, you don't anoint them with oil. Is any sick among you? He's talking to the church here. So you don't anoint them with oil. You lay hands on those sick and they recover. And everybody wants it to be instant. They want a miracle. A miracle is instant. Healing is progressive. They shall recover is progressive. And if you, if you don't know that, well, then they, they, they blow you off like, well, it didn't happen. Sure it did. Sure it did. Because the word says it will, and I, I did, and you did, and it will, and so it happened. But you've got to call things that be not. So we're all doing that, aren't we? We're moving in that, and that's what I want to minister on. So I wrote down here, to pray the prayer of faith, you must know and believe the will of God. You have to connect it. You have to connect with the promise. The promise says this. We're going to do this exactly like the word says to do, and we're going to have the same results the word says we'll have. And that it's just it's 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 only hard because of the tradition of men. It's only hard because they want you to be able to talk over the television and grab them and then pat them and then go out the door. And nothing happened and nobody expects anything to happen. I promise you I had this man's attention that day. He was not as happy with me after that, but I was right. And you'll be right if you'll let them wait. You, you make yourself available. Hey, I'll pray for you anytime. Then let them call you. Or however, just you have to have a place when you call the elders. What it does is it empties out something in you that the word of God and the faith of God can fill up. And otherwise, you're just you're just patting mud onto somebody on the outside. You're just, you're just putting something on the outside that they can wash off. There's got to be an emptying out on the inside that says, I will take the word of God and call for the elders of the church and the prayer of faith shall save me. When you have that transaction, wow. You know, if there's a light bulb and you put both the hot wires on one side, it's not going to come on. 
You have to put the hot wire on one side of the bulb and the, the ground wire, is that what it is, on the other side of the bulb or whatever. And then it comes on. If you do it, it happens. Well, we have to do it. We haven't been willing to do that. We've been sloppy. We've been religious. We've had prayer chains that just, you know, let's, let's have a prayer chain for somebody. Well, it doesn't say have a prayer chain. It doesn't say have a prayer chain. So what, what are you doing? You don't know the will of God. You don't know that if we have a prayer chain, this thing's going to turn out different. Now, sometimes you'll hear about prayer chains. We prayed for Nellie all night long. There was 20 of us. We didn't go home and she got, she got better. She got good the next day. But you don't know what else happened in there where somebody did connect. And the 99 of them or 19 of them didn't connect. They're just out there wallering around in some religious ride. But one person did connect. And so they were healed because of the one. But everybody thinks, well, the prayer chain's the way to go. I, I don't know why I'm talking about all this. But Hebrews 11.1 1 says, we hope, we hope for what God has already given us. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. We hope for what God has already given us. Verse 2 there in Hebrews 11. Well, I'll read all the one. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it, by it faith, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand, now this is good, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Well, that's a little complicated, but basically what it says is, is everything you can see was made by something that you could not see. That when you released it in faith, the unseen thing, you called things that be not as though they were, they took on form. Now, everybody knows what this is. It's a TV remote. And everybody knows, everybody in this society knows what you do with this button that says power. And so you aim it at the TV and you hit the power button and the power comes on. But if you look at it and if you look between here and there, you see nothing. It's infrared. And we cannot see infrared. But everybody in here, we're in faith about this infrared that we cannot see how it... And, and if, you have, if you have a vase of flowers in front of the little uh, receiver on the TV, you'll click, 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 and it, it's not going to do it. But we know what that is. Hey, there's something in front of the... Is it called a receiver? The, the whatever, the, the sensor. We know to move it out. We know how it works, but we never have seen the infrared. It can't be seen by the human eye. But we have such confidence. Up a little louder, click, click, click. Nothing happened, but everything happened. It went up louder. Mute it, sure. Change channels, absolutely. Click, click, click. And this thing, it, it might as well be a baseball bat. It might as well be a, a spatula out of the kitchen. Because you can no more see this thing, but we've been programmed to believe what we could not see. And we're our believers. I remember growing up, we were out in the country, but that was back in 67. 
And not only did we not have a remote on our TV, everybody had to get up and turn it. We actually had to go out. There's only three stations out there. And we actually had a pipe wrench on the antenna pole. And we turned it so that it would, and somebody would say, a little more, a little more, a little more through the window. And you, then you'd get uh, Channel 23 in Midland. <laughs> and you say, well, okay, that show's over. Let's watch this. Somebody would go outside and hit the pipe wrench. Because, well, you know why. In a court of law, evidence is called proof. They show you the proof. They show you the evidence. And if it's enterable, if it's uh, admissible, I should say, then they say that's admissible. And we say that your evidence is proof of something that's happened or not happened or whatever. And, uh, but for us, it's not that way. Unseen evidence is proof in the kingdom of God. Well, what is the proof? We call things that be not as though they were. We call things. We call for the promises. Well, how do we call them? We believe. We have to know it's the will of God for me to be prosperous, to be healed, to whatever. Now, if you just pop up one morning and say, I'm going to get a job at Walmart, you're on your own. You don't know if that's the will of God, and so they might turn you down. But you're praying for favor. You're praying for a job. But you, unless the Lord tells you Walmart is where I want you to go, you're just looking for a job. And I would advise you steer away from Walmart, by the way. I, I'd, I'd say you can do better. Hallelujah. So, but what can we say with a certainty and a surety? If it's in here, it's ours. Walmart not, not, not be yours, but you can just keep shopping, keep looking, keep applying, and you'll find that job, but you don't have God's word on it. Now, you've got his word on it that he'll bless you, that he'll supply for you. Lots of things that you do, but you don't have the Walmart thing. You might have to go somewhere else. In, in, uh, just for time's sake, let me read you Genesis 1-3. You know, in the Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. But in verse 3, in the contemporary version, it says, God commanded the light to shine and light started shining. How about that? That's, that's pretty like call things that be not as though they were. It was a dark place. And God commanded the light to shine and the light started shining. But religious men want evidence. They want proof. They want a formula. But we don't always have one. Sometimes we just have to call things like God did. Just call in the light and the light comes. He, I want to read it again. God commanded light to come and light started shining. And then he goes down to Genesis 1.28 in the uh, man scripture. It says uh, where the Lord said, let us make man in our, in our own image. And then he said, let them have dominion. Let me just read it. Uh, 26, excuse me, I said 28. Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. How did that happen? Well, he gave Adam his same authority and said, go and do likewise. What I did, saying light be, 
you, you go in command and dress and tend to the garden and it'll be just like you say. Uh, so I have the same dominion God has. Now that's deep and wide. That's, that's pretty hard to get around. That's, I'm not God. You're not Jesus. We're not Holy Spirit. But what we can do is the same. We, we didn't go to the cross. We didn't shed our blood. But, we're, but we've been made just like, just like a baby is made. Your baby that has your looks and your predisposition and your blue eyes. But they're not you, but they're just like you. And they'll grow up with everything that you've got in your life. Uh, so we have to take God's word and speak it. Say that with me. Speak it. Not think it. Now, there's a mental ascent. E.W. Kenyon talks about it a lot in his books. But where we think our faith, where we agree with something, but we just agree with it in our head. We don't really believe it because you're only believing what you're doing. But we believe that God said it and God meant it. And it's for me, but I just haven't put it into my life to the place where I practice it. So God, let me read this again in Hebrews. Um, the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So he took, he didn't say, I'm, I'm going to take nothing and create. He said, I'm going to take substance, my faith and create. And then he said, y'all do that too. It's not like hocus pocus and magic and, and all that stuff. Magic's terrible. Magic is the counterfeit to the supernatural. You have to be careful how you teach your children and, and, and watch things that are magic because it's mostly divination. When the supernatural happens and it's not in the heavenly realm, it's somewhere else. Would y'all agree with that? It's divination and other things. So, but God said, if you'll take my word and you'll speak it, call things that be not with something that cannot be seen, you'll have something that you can see. I like that. It decomplicates my life of having to have two jobs and saving up and doing without and somehow catching it on sale. I can just speak the word of God and it's coming. Now, I know we all know this. this, this is, there is no revelation here for you, but there is a repainting or a, re, uh, a reminder, as it were, of these things that we have the word calls let slip. So just because you know it and, and you go, well, I knew that. Uh, you only know what you do. So if we hadn't been doing it, we need a refresher. We need a, like a reminder to come in there. Uh, so God spoke the earth into existence and he wants you to speak the things on earth into existence. He's through creating in the, in the sense of creating apart from us. As soon as verse 26 came in and he gave man his, his authority of dominion, he said, I want you to name it. If you don't like that long neck thing, and you don't want to call it a hyena, call it a giraffe or something. He, he, let, he let Adam completely decide what to name everything. And you know, there was a lot of stuff to name. 
And Adam had the intellect, the mind. He had the mind of Christ in that sense that he could do that. If God could do it, and then he could do it. Well, if God can do it, we're going to jump here. We can do it. Well, how do we do it? We do it just like God did it. So if a mechanic puts a nut on your manifold and he uses a 916th wrench, and then he goes to lunch and you have to go somewhere, guess how you're going to get that nut off? You're going to go in there with a 916th wrench. You're going to do it just like he did it. And that's how we're going to live our lives. Romans 3.3. I'll just read it to you. For what if some did not believe? Here it is. Here it is. Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? So we're surrounded with unbelievers. We're surrounded with people that are calling things that be not as though they be not. We are surrounded. We are saturated. We're in a culture that doesn't believe that I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. End of subject. Going to heaven. And I talk to those people all the time. And I say, you know, Jesus is coming back soon. Ooh. They're not secure in going to heaven. They're not secure in what's happening. They're like, I hope I make it. So they don't even know the basics about that because it comes from the word and being saturated with it. So it says here, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Well, uh, so that things which are seen were made of things not which do not appear. So I can do that. So why do we struggle with finances, the church, the, the whole world? It's because we don't believe this. It's not, it's not spelled out in such a way. It's scattered all over the word. Matter of fact, in Proverbs 18, 21, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. It's kind of hidden in there. That's in chapter 18. It's not in chapter 17. You have to find it in the word and, and then pull it together with something in Hebrews 11 and pull them together with Romans 4.17 that calleth things that be not as though they were. And you go, whoa, according to Genesis 1.26, I have dominion over my future. I have plenty. There's plenty more where that came from when I give. Did you give $100 to one time? There's plenty more where that came from. But if you say, man, I hate to give that up. That was my lunch money. Yeah, it was. It really was. If that's what you believe and that's what you expect, it really was your lunch money. And you're going to be fasting a little bit this week. That was a joke. <laughs> what time is it? Oh, it's time to quit. So we're going to say, we're going to say, that my future is not in somebody else's mouth. It's in my mouth. And if I don't like my way my life is going, I can't blame the president. He's taking a lot of heat. And it does affect the nation. Every president affects the nation. But it doesn't affect my life. It makes me adjust. But like Barry said this morning, if gas goes to five or six dollars, it's eight and a half. It's eight and a half dollars in, in Monrovia, West Liberia. It's eight and a half dollars and their power doesn't work a lot of times. So they have to run the generator that we bought them. But gas is eight and a half dollars. So you get about 12 gallons for a hundred dollars. 
it's pretty tough to power up. But it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because you just speak to your gas tank on that generator or you just speak to your billfold or you just, whatever you do, you just make it enough. That's a good offering this morning, brother. I, I, I poked Deborah Ann and said, you need to double up. <laughs> <laughs> so my future is not in somebody else's mouth, not the president's, not the governor's, not the mayor's, not even my spouse. I'm submitted and I'm, I get along and we, you know, all the things that are good and right. But if they go crossways, I'm not going crossways. I'm going to keep speaking what the word says. I'm going to call things that be not as though they were. And it will hold the place which takes time out of the factor. Faith has no time. Faith has received it. Faith is now. Faith is mine. I have it now. I'm not waiting on a manifestation. I'm not waiting on things to get better. I'm not waiting till God creates it. I have it. I have it right now. And time is taken out of the equation. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter how it doesn't look. It doesn't matter how it looks like it's going the other way. I have what I say. Death and life are in the power of my tongue. So the last word standing is doing the commanding. And if your, your last word is we can't afford it, that's what's working. You know, that drove me crazy. You just... You might not want to say that. You might not want to believe that. It drives me up the wall. Um, uh, I don't remember. I can't remember. I don't say I can't remember. I just say I don't remember that. But I never say I can't remember because that's death. That's death to, to brain cells. Uh, uh, I'm afraid. That's not who we are. It may be ominous out there. It may be hard out there. But I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of anything. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I, what can man do against me? I am not afraid. So uh, we're taught in a culture, our culture, and I'll quit with this, to not believe our own words. It's, the word talks about coarse jesting. I think it's in James, wherever it is. And said, don't do it. Let your yay be yay. Let your nay be nay. Now, I'm around some people. I have someone in my family that doesn't talk much. He's a faith guy, and he doesn't talk much. And you try to get him into a conversation about what's going on, what do you think, and how's this going. He doesn't talk much. He, he doesn't give you much information at all. But I, I wish I was that way better, because sometimes in our trying to fill the vacuum, the, the blank spaces, we begin to say things. If you're with somebody that's not a really good relationship, after a little while, if you're with them too long, you'll start saying things to fill up the air and you'll say things that aren't true, that aren't, you don't want. And they'll say something negative. You say, oh yeah, that happens to me all the time. And you go, the last word standing is doing the commanding. That's, that's coming to you in spades and it's on their way. It's way. So words are important. The words are important. Now, we used to teach, and we don't anymore, that, uh, that if you say it, let me qualify this, that if you say it, it's coming in your future. But we say head words that don't affect our future, except 
if you say them often enough, you begin to discount them. They become common. And then suddenly they're going to slip down from being said all the time out of your head. They'll slip down in your heart and those words will kill you. I, I can hardly tell you how many people I know or have heard of that said, I won't make it till past when daddy died and he died at 64. Uh, my grandfather died at uh, 47. Yeah. And they just, they just said things and they just accepted that. We're going to change it. And you know the good thing about all this? It's just an adjustment. It's not like, oh my gosh, I got to change my whole doctrine. I got to, what am I been believing? No, we all know better. We're just going to start being aware and adjusting. And then we're going to start getting on the path of, I'm going to create something good. Instead of just not saying something bad about my life, I'm going to start creating my future and uh, changing the way I live and what I have coming. Almost all of what we're facing in our life that's negative, we agreed to it in the past at some point. Very subtly, very, but we agreed to it. It was spoken around us and we agreed to it. Or we, uh, we said, well, mom and daddy always had that and therefore, and then you, whatever follows therefore is what you, what you left is the last word standing. So I'm changing. I don't even like it. And Deborah gets on to me. Sometimes uh, Melissa gave me a word from the Lord back in uh, 14, I think, 13 or 14. She said she saw an abacus, one of those things that has the, the beads on it. And she said she saw that and, and the Lord said, quit counting. And I had explicit records of every nursery, every children's church, two kinds of children's church, every teen. Every, I had attendance records from every service, every event, every men's thing. I, I wrote down everything. And uh, that month is where it ended. I quit counting. Didn't know it was going to go this way. But the point I was making is, is I don't even like to say we have 21 people or 31 people at River Church. I don't even want to say that. I want to prophesy we are full and standing room only. And so you go, well, that's crazy. Everybody knows what you mean. Everybody, but you get a picture every time you say that of 21 people or whatever, whatever, whatever it is. I'm not, I'm not even saying you get a picture of that and you begin then after that to put limits. Well, we're just 21, therefore. And then you say what we can't do or what we should do. And it's just like there's no limits on River Church. There's no financial limits. There's no casting out devils. There's no hosting a move of God limitation on us. So we shouldn't say what we necessarily see because what we're seeing is not what we're having. It's just, it's just where we're leaving. We're leaving that, but that's not where we're staying. And so you have to say that about your kids. You have to say that about your job. You can't, you can't, can I say this? You can't pee in your drinking fountain. You can't curse your job and then gripe about how come you don't make much or that it's hard. You can't curse it. You have to bless them. We bless the president. You, you don't even know how I really feel about him because I'm blessing him. Well, Deborah does. <laughs> not really, not really. 
Laura Breath, my granddaughter, she's five. She could do as good a job as that, I think. But it's just not up for conversation. We just don't talk about that because it's irrelevant to my future and it doesn't change anything. So in the name of Jesus, we, we lift up our hands. Let's everybody lift up our hands and say, Lord, help me receive the revelation I need to go to, go to the next to the other side with my conversation. Lord, that I will bridle my tongue, I will bridle my lips as, 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 a, as a bit in a horse's mouth and I will turn as the word says I should turn and I will run as the word says. So Lord, we just change right now. We commit to you with our own words now so you'll have to say some things under your breath, but you'll have to utter some words. I'm changing my conversation today and I ask you to help me, Holy One, that I will speak the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So I have seen Kobach most in the today. And I said the old kingdom, the kingdom of Hosta Now is the time to keep in the host of Bababe. And as I came all sinking, I pushed in front the ancient call. So contend to that, Unkolasi. And I say unto you this day, my leg of your sin, my hand is on thee. And the Mohove became And again, I coshed in the as I have said in my word. And again, I say it again, and again, and again unto thee. And the Mohove became born. Oh, yes. And now is the time to so arise, my children, arise, my children, and say that I have the promises I have to level, shall level, hold again. And the equal level hold, and though beheld about shaking behind. And now is the time to arise and receive. <laughs> oh, yes, Lord Jesus. Oh, yes, Lord Jesus. Now let's just lift our hands and receive that. I receive that. I receive that. Yes, Lord, now is the time to arise. I arise. Say it out of your mouth to yourself, but I arise. I arise. The Lord is saying, arise. It's time to arise. And I arise. The seed is coming out of the ground. It's arising. Hallelujah. Praise God.
Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yea, Lord, what a good father that would tell us of what's yet to come and how ominous it would be and tell us in advance, don't be afraid, it's nothing. I have a counterpart to that. Yes, ma'am. It's a dream that I was given a few days ago, and it was so incredibly real. And in this dream, I was inside the house I don't ever remember being in, and I felt compelled to go outside. And I went outside, and I saw people staring up in the sky. And I looked to my left, and I saw a groundhog looking up in the sky. I looked to my right, and I saw a bunny rabbit staring at the sky. And I looked up in the sky, and I saw Jesus in the sky. And Jesus was huge, huge. It's like everyone all over the world could see him. Wow. And there were helicopters flying around, and people trying to figure out what was going on. And as soon as I saw him, I started shouting and praising and just so happy, so incredibly happy that no one else was. And later in the dream, my mother was there. And my mom was talking to me. We were outside, and she was telling me all these things she needed to do, like household stuff. And I said, why are you even saying that? Look up in the sky. And she did not notice that he had been there. And she is saved. And I found myself, after the dream, realizing that a lot of Christians don't know. Yes, ma'am. They don't see what's happening. And I'm so privileged to see it. Yes, we are. We are privileged to live in this time. We are. And even nature is looking up. Everything is looking Thank you, Melissa. That is so powerful. I've been excited since she told me she had a dream to hear what it was. Do you have something in that? Who has watched Joe Morris from last Wednesday? Y'all ought to watch Joe Morris. We're going to play Joe Morris on Wednesday night, but right before the service or right at the beginning of the service. But you can watch it on your own device. I hope you have the app on your phone. Ah, he, it's, it's like don't buy green bananas. It's, you know, and that's Joe, but he, he's telling the same story all the time. It's getting closer. And what that means to us, I'm excited about going. But what I'm also needful is that I'm not finished here. And so he's going to be doing... He's going to ramp us up. Yes. He's going to open doors. Part of it is river teams. It's not about healing, but it's absolutely about healing the sick. Yes. And they're going to leave this place going, I got to bring somebody over here that's got a stage to this and a, and a ruptured that. And they would never come to church or not. There's just lots going on. This men's meeting, I've been waiting for years for this thing since Johnny Ray's for this day and so finally it's here yay so Jesus and the word and then the vision hallelujah it's pretty exciting around here and then the caches are ministering to 
would you call him homeless? Absolutely. And it's like, really? Who does that in 2022? Who, do, who has that window open to them? Yay. So we should be about the Father's business. And we are. So we're putting the word in. You put the word in. This isn't enough. Sunday morning and Wednesday night are not enough to maintain. If you were going into a weightlifting contest at the Olympics or something, they'd have you bulking up. Well, except me, they don't, they wouldn't do that for me, but they'd be getting you ready. You'd be, you'd be out there with somebody with a stopwatch all the time. And that's what we're in right now. And that's what Joe Morris talks about. He talks about Russia, how close they are, what the word talks about coming down to Israel. Israel produces 90% of all Europe's fruit and vegetables and how they will come down. It's amazing. It's real inspiring. You'll be glad. Amen. So if you want to do something for the church in Africa, that's what we're doing. Well, we could give out of the general fund. We do all the time. But this isn't that. We, we all need to sow into this. I want to sow into